You are now listening to the Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Frigera, your Soul Powered Executive Coach. This podcast is designed to make soul power a normal topic of conversation. What makes us divine and how can it empower your life and business? For season three, we are diving deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and business owners who powered through the 2020 lockdown and emerged even stronger. So get ready to be inspired, get ready to be empowered, get ready to take action as we explore how to elevate your soul power and create success no matter what. Welcome once again to another episode of Soul Power to the People. Uh, Today we're going to talk about perseverance. And I have that marketing guy, Joey. Uh, he is here to talk about, you know, what did he endure during the lockdown, post-lockdown, or did he endure, or how did he take his business? I, I hear great things happened for him despite of the pandemic. So it's wonderful to hear stories like this, stories of triumph over adversity. And, uh, you know, business owners who just turned obstacles into stepping stones. So I can't wait to talk about perseverance with Joey. Hi, Joey. Please hey, how we introduce doing? yourself. Good. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm Joey. Um, you know, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, so I'm excited to dive into the topic of perseverance. But yeah, I started a marketing agency actually a couple years before COVID. After uh, getting fired, well, after getting fired from a company, I decided to start this guy up called Media Shark. And it was about, oh, shoot, probably within the first year, year and a half. I mean, we were in full lockdown. And then, um, you know, we we grew and things like that. But yeah, you know, now I actually, uh, we grew it to seven figures our first year, which was awesome, you know, as a business owner, especially during COVID. Uh, it was very hard. And there's a, a lot of stuff we can talk about during that time. But now I actually do a lot of public speaking, spend a lot of time with helping businesses do a lot of consulting. And basically the whole thing is, you know, how to explode your business with online marketing. And I've got to kind of got to be an expert in that field now and really enjoy talking and helping with businesses. So again, appreciate you having me on today. So yeah, you described your business before 2020. Uh, can you go more into details about your challenges during 2020? Yeah. And after. So, yeah. So one of the big challenges, honestly, was, I mean, from our standpoint was, the political aspect. I mean, good or bad, the way you looked at it, I mean, we had our opinions, everybody has opinions on everything. But you know, it was to the point of you couldn't, you had to be careful because people would ask you flat out, hey, what's your opinion? And we had businesses that would not work with us because we were in Florida. And, you know, sure, I might, you know, be more of a Floridian, if you want to call it. But, you know, we still had the same issue that a lot of people had across the United States. And we had a lot of people and businesses that wouldn't work with us just because of where we were from. That And that was something I didn't expect and I didn't see coming. If you would have told me, you know, that, hey, next year, Joey, businesses won't work with you because you live in Florida, I'd be, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, that's you know, no way. And the truth was during that time, we had a lot of businesses that didn't want to work with us just for the, the standpoint we're in Florida. And, you know, on top of that, it definitely threw a whole loop because, you know, you're trying to progress, you're trying to do trainings, you're trying to be in person, especially as a, you know, a sales situation. A lot of these businesses were grasping, you know, for some type of air income, something to come in, you know, come into play. So for us, we were positioned, as you were saying, kind of in a great spot. 
you know, we've been remote for quite some time due to the fact of, you know, being digital and being online, you know, as long as we have a laptop and internet connection, usually we can do what we need to do. But we also are very much in-person conferences, very in-person public speaking, very in-person from meetings, you know, and it wasn't uncommon for us to fly out, go sit down with a board or business owner or something like that and help them with their marketing budget. And obviously that all ceased during the COVID situation. So learning to transition and build, you know, rapport and build, you know, connection and really trust over Zoom had a huge effect on us. And it was very hard in the beginning because no one really knew how to, you know, incorporate this digital world into this digital lifestyle, more or less. Um, The other thing that was interesting too, I mean, this was something that kind of got me, uh, it got me in some trouble sometimes, um, depending on the conferences we'd go to, but, you know, we would go to a conference and during COVID and have that, you know, still be on kind of that lockdown situation. And I'd have to give a public talk with a mask on. And there was moments where, and I get it, the safety thing, but (laughs) <laughs> it's also hard to talk, you know, especially when you're in front of, you know, sometimes even a hundred some people and you're trying to breathe through a mask, <laughs> but you know, I they- applaud you. I, I couldn't <laughs> do it. I, I totally disengaged, you know, yeah. from Minnesota. I went to Nebraska just cause I wouldn't play that game. So I, mm-hmm. I applaud you for, for doing that. Yeah. I mean, it was the business, you know, and that's the thing too. A lot of people don't realize it's, you know, if you're a business owner, you don't get the choice sometimes to make the decision of, is this okay? Technically, sometimes, you know, you have to do what's best because your survival is up to that. This isn't like, I don't show up to work anymore. This is my livelihood, my, my life, my kids, my, my entire, you know, well-being, everything can change overnight just because you stop working. And that's the one thing that I really, um, I really try to impress on people is just the fact that, you know, with owning a business and having to be out there, you know, you have to make a lot of decisions, not necessarily just for yourself, but for your team, your family, you know, and, you know, those people that lean on you for, you know, paying bills and things like that. So it was hard. You know, we definitely stuck through it. Every city was very different. Um, you know, whether we were in Orlando to Philadelphia to um, Denver, Kansas City, some were much more strict than others. But either way, it was it was tough. It really was, you know, but that being said, I can't say it was as hard as, you know, having a storefront. You know, there's areas that we feel very blessed that, you know, I don't want to make this sound like a a grim story by any means, but we definitely had a lot of opportunity because at the same time, since everybody went digital, you know, we were the ones who were there standing there with kind of a a shield and a spear saying, hey, we can help you put up some defense and put up some offense and get some, you know, get some traffic coming in online. And that's what we do. And so there was Um, there was a huge opportunity there, too. Where did you learn about adaptation and resilience? Because let me tell you first. I couldn't condone it. I was busy talking about, hey, look at what's going on. They're dumbing down human consciousness. They're doing this. They're taking away your away your freedom. And all you're doing is rolling up your sleeve and, and giving in to tyranny. So yeah. my question you know, to you is, what? where did you learn that from? And what's your mindset? What's, what's your game? Yeah. And that's, that's a hard part. You know, it, the mindset really is, you just got to go, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's just, you don't get a choice in this, in my opinion, on, from a business owner standpoint, you know, you're, I, I actually let me rephrase this. You do get a point. You can roll over and take what comes to you, or you just have to jump in. And there wasn't a moment where I felt that I was getting to do what I wanted to do. It wasn't a moment that I felt that I have another opinion that I, I want to say, yeah, I don't want to say. I mean, I was opinionated about everything, especially when you know we're we're getting at conferences. We're having security come over, telling us while we're eating 
that our masks need to remain up. And it's like, I, how, do, how do I eat with a, you know, my mask up? It, it, just things like that, you know, where they were getting threatened that, you know, we'll have to leave early because we're not obeying rules. There it wasn't the fact of not obeying rules. It was the fact, you know, of, you know, <laughs> eating with our masks on or off, um, which it's just preposterous to even, you know, kind of go this route. But the truth was, you know, um, a lot of it came from, you know, just my dad and my background and, you know, truthfully getting fired from a job and then starting this on my own, this was my baby and I wanted to see it succeed. But during a lot of these times of trials, a lot of, you know, let's say competitors fell out. So the prices were lower for us to go. There's more opportunity for, you know, someone like myself who doesn't really have a background in business to step up. You know, I'm a good salesperson, but I was not yet a solid public speaker yet. I was not a, a solid business owner yet. I'm, and I'm still learning that a lot, but and I don't think maybe you ever stopped learning it, but I definitely had to, you know, like you said, roll up the sleeves. A lot of it was just, you know, what do you got to do to survive? And I think a lot of Americans, you know, and even uh, people all over the, the world had that same situation, whether it related to their business, their families, you know, even, you know, from a psychology or mental health standpoint, there was a lot of stuff going on that wasn't just focused on business, but, you know, it was, it was a rough time for everybody for sure. And I think a lot of it just boils down to just, you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Wow. Um, hmm. Okay, so where again, where did you learn adaptation, resilience, perseverance? Is that something? Yeah, so I mean, fr from my dad's standpoint, I would say a hundred percent. I meant to to go more into detail with that. Um, so yeah, so my dad is actually a very unique individual. Um, you know, he he actually served ten years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. He basically from in the eighties served, like I said, ten years. He was charged with rape. And hit a basically all he did was hit a parked car in a and it's a very long story obviously but hit a parked car in a in an area and basically the next day was uh, brought or called in and said that you know they want to talk to him he thought he was going in because he uh, hit a parked car and they're you know wanting something you know related to that and then basically held him without denying a lawyer wouldn't let him leave all this stuff and kind of played that good cop bad cop and he was in his twenties served or was in the military stationed up in um, uh, Topeka Kansas. All right. So yeah, or Atchison, Kansas is what I believe where he was actually uh, sentenced at and, you know, served 10 years for rape, um, was proven innocent in 2001 through DNA testing. Turns out it wasn't him. He actually got out um, on his own, was sentenced originally to 11 to life. And there's a huge story. If you look up Eddie Lowry, Innocence Project, um, his story is great. He now is on the Innocence Board. He actually helps um, kind of move along people that have been wrongfully convicted, helping them, really trying to be a voice. Uh, he speaks a lot about having a you know, inter our um, interrogations taped things that to us might sound natural that, that, you know, why, why isn't it taped, but, you know, things that could, you know, let's say put favor on one side and not necessarily maybe support us, but he's big into that. So that mentality of perseverance adaptation, a lot of that came from him, you know, the, the aspect of you, you just keep going, you know, and he'll, he tells me all the time. He's like, when I was in prison, there's moments, you know, in the beginning, he's like, I just, is life worth living? And especially in his mind, you know, he's, he's innocent and he knows it, but he can't, nobody else believes him. Everybody else is crying out, you know, and, and the worst case scenario in my world is I have to wear a mask on stage. And I think, you know, that just if he could do what he did and turn what he, you know, the terror, the horror, you know, um, all the stuff he went through and what he's seen, how it affects him later on, he could get through that. You know, I definitely could persevere through the pandemic. Um, there you know. we go. And that's it right there. It's like, I couldn't do it. There's got to be something. So your dad was exonerated 2001. Correct. Do you remember any of this or was yeah. his imprisonment before you were born? Uh, his imprisonment was before I was born or uh, before I was born. So 
when um, my sister, I was born 91. So he had just gotten out and my sister's born 94. And then Megan's law came out in 96. So every month he had registered as a sex offender, uh, Megan's law. So it's Can you uh, speak more about that too. Yeah, I'm not too versed in it necessarily, um, but I do believe it's something where a sex offender, any type of anything involving like um, exposure or anything around like a sexual misconduct, they have to register every month, or um, the convicted have to register every month um, at the sheriff's office as a basically a um, sex predator or some type of you know obviously situation. And then that's what, you know, where you can find, you know, who lives next to you, things like that, all from that um, registry. And he he said for the longest time, that was one of the most humiliating things is knowing once a month he's got to go in. And he said he used to park outside the sheriff's office, wait until the last person, you know, right, right. Let's say five o'clock, right at that 458 moment, whatever, he would wait till he had to go in to do this, you know, and <laughs> my parents actually used to put a back in Missouri, where I was from, they actually used to, uh, decorate the front yard and they'd always have this sign. I just remember as a kid, I always had a sign that said, you know, uh, award winning, like they won the neighborhood, uh, I don't call it flower house decorating thing. And I never clicked, but really what they were doing were, was they were hiding the address, you know, so that people wouldn't be able to drive by and see that, Hey, let's say it's, you know, 4090 is the house number because of the registry. You know, my dad has to be a part of, uh, they didn't want, you know, people to be like, Oh, that that's the house, you know, that Eddie, the, the sex offender lives in, um, you know, and again, like I said, he's innocent this whole time. And, you know, it, it, it was, it was a journey. I remember him coming home one day. I remember just the, the heartache that he was going through. I mean, people at church and, you know, whether you're listening to this and you're religious or not, you know, being around a circle of people that you believe in that are, you know, your friends, they encourage you, whether faith is involved or not, you know, we still have a core group of people. And I remember my dad coming home one Sunday saying, you know, like this lawyer at church and my family didn't have, you know, really money. My, my dad worked at the Ford Motor Company on the assembly line, blue collar worker. My mom was trying to start a business. And, you know, that was, is what it is. You know, our vacations were based off timeshare and when, when Ford shut down. So it wasn't like, you know, anything special. But that being said, you know, I remember him coming home one day saying, you know, a lawyer told him that if he was to pursue this, then it'd be like opening a can of worms. And my dad was just so appalled because in his mind, he's like, this, this is my life. This is everything for me. And you, mm -hmm. and all I'm asking for is you to take a chance. And these are wow. the people he served with. He loved, excuse me. And I'm not saying everybody's bad by any means, but you know, this was just one reaction that really got under his skin. And he met this amazing guy um, named Barry Clark out of K-State and still friends to Barry and uh, his wife today. And uh, uh, they're great people. And Barry somehow came across my dad's case and don't know exactly know how that all happened. Exactly. Um, I was in middle school when this happened and Barry took it to the innocence project. And th obviously they're huge uh, nation or a nationwide situation. Um, but uh, Barry, Barry Clark took it to Barry Sheck, who is the, uh, I believe he's the head guy there with uh, Johnny Cochran at the time. And obviously Cochran, who represented, I believe, O.J. Simpson, and he passed away in 2007 or 2008. But they both represented my dad um, against the state of Kansas. And he got his honorable discharge because he was in the military. I believe that was in 2003, I think. And then from roughly 2001, 2003, it was about, about a seven, almost 10-year trial, just fighting the state of Kansas over his wrongful conviction. So, yeah, that's, that's where the uh, perseverance comes in. <laughs> so... What is it about you or your dad or your beliefs or your dad believes mm -hmm. that had you not live in shame? Because things like this, you could have gone 
and be ashamed all your life, but obviously, so so can you speak more? You alluded to yeah. it, but can you speak more about it? Yeah, I mean, shame is interpretive, I guess, or interpretive of how you view yourself, you know, and from the standpoint, you know, even my dad, sure, he was shameful of the aspect of he had to go, or maybe he was saying embarrassed that he had to go, you know, fill out these forms and deal with everything. I don't know if I say, I would say that, you know, shame was like something we felt because again, and you believe your dad, you know, even if he was say guilty, you know, and he said he was innocent, you'd always have that belief as a kid. But, you know, for us, honestly, it was the faith. I mean, my dad believed with all his heart that he, you know, well, he knew he was innocent, but just that this was going to work out. And so our faith, I mean, I grew up in a Christian church, um, they go in, you know, church my whole life. And I personally, you know, have a very strong faith myself I'm outside of kind of what I grew up in. But that perseverance, or, you know, that whole resisting the idea of just, um, you know, being complacent and just accepting whatever was told to you, you know, that that came from a higher power. I really do believe. Um, then there's some stuff about his case that just don't match a natural situation of just luck or even statistic possibility. For example, the DNA kit or the DNA test kit or the, the, the kit that was from the crime scene. By the time they got it, it was roughly 20 some years old. And that being said, the room had been remodeled twice, uh, the evidence room. And the only thing that had not been removed from the evidence room was this locker or this huge safe locker. And his evidence had actually fallen off a shelf underneath that locker. And the, uh, I believe it was the county clerk had actually got on our hands and knees looking underneath the, the safe when they got the warrant to you know try to see if they could find the evidence. And it was or his evidence was the only evidence found from that time period in that room. Everything else had already been thrown out. So faith... <laughs> so faith pays a huge part in, in just pushing, you know, and keeping your head up because I, I think we're all created for something stronger and bigger than maybe what we see in front of us. That is amazing. And that's a good segue for me to ask you, why did you agree to come on this show? Soul power to the people podcast. I like the message. I really do. I am. I'm big into the aspect of, you know, obviously helping others is great, but just like if, if anything that I've seen and what I've, been experienced, let alone what my dad's experience and what I've got to, you know, see part of him because of because of part of him, you know, just the fact of being able to share a message that encourages somebody, makes someone feel, man, I could do that. Not necessarily I could do it too, but I could get through this. You know, I think pain is relative. And, you know, and a lot of us are going through a lot of pain. And COVID <laughs> was its own pain, let alone if you lost somebody during it. And you know, let alone what we're being told on the news, what our friends are saying, you know, just everything around that. And sometimes I think we get in our, our minds of just, I, oh, my life sucks. This ain't going the way nothing, you know, we get in this negative state of being. And sometimes you, you know, you just get surrounded by that and hearing stories or even being a part of something that uplifts, pushes, helps motivate. Um, that's something I'm a big believer in. So when I was reading about you in the podcast, I was like, you know, this sounds like a great opportunity to share an amazing story and hopefully, you know, maybe encourage somebody to kind of, you know, keep pushing forward and just, you know, put themselves in a more of a, uh, a better being rather than a negative situation. Yes. I really love your story. I really love your dad's story, story of perseverance, of rising above shame because, you know, we, in the absence of shame, in the absence of self-doubt, we really are God's children. We really yeah. can walk the walk that we are made in the image and likeness of God. So mm. you've shared a lot of what you've learned, but if there were three key points of lessons learned that you would like to really emphasize to the listeners, what would they yeah. be? One, you can. Just 
I know that's such an easy statement, but you can. Whatever it is that you're going through, it you can solve it 100%. There's a beautiful thing called YouTube University if it's a knowledge situation. There's a beautiful thing called therapy and help. Or, you know, honestly, there's a ton of books out there that just can open your eyes to so many different things. And the first thing, though, before you apply anything is you have to believe you can. And so I think the first thing that if I could share with my hardest belief of who I am is that I truly believe whatever I put my mind to, I can do it. And I I use a simple analogy sometimes when I'm on stage. It's like, you tell me you want to build a house, you want to build a shed, or you want to do something. Well, we all have Home Depot and Lowe's all around us, but none of those tools are going to get bought or none of those supplies are going to get bought unless we walk in with with the understanding and the motivation of, I'm here to, to accomplish something. And then we go down the aisles and do, you know, find the material to build this whole thing. But we first got to believe we can do it. And then we got to take a step forward um, into that store. Second one is kind of similar, but it's in your head, you're dead. And that's something that I really believe in. I heard it from Tony Robbins. And I think one of the biggest issues that we've had as a society globally and either, or even on a local level is the aspect that we're in our head so much. The news is telling us what to believe. Um, our friends are saying something. I'm, I got my phone going off left and right with alerts or whatever, um, you know, let alone whatever the, I call them the demigods, Facebook and Elon and Google, whatever they're doing. And we're sitting there being bombarded with negative, non-inspiring, helpless stuff that we have no effect on, or we cannot affect at all, like downgrading our daily lives. And we get in our head about these things. And then it's like, what can I do? And then you feel defeated. So the big thing, number two is just step out of your head. Like you have to. And that's one of the home run things that happened for me when I heard Tony Robbins speak, I was just like, he's like, you're in your head, you're dead. And I'm just like, oh, that's catchy. But man, the more I spent into it, especially when I like Bible study, things like that, you know, um, asking you shall receive. It's it's not that I'll, I'll sit and I'll receive, or I'll be in a certain state of mind and I'll receive. It's ask. So what is in your head that's allowing you not to want to put action, go back to number one, or just not have the mental capacity to think that you could, you know, have whatever you want next. I was on a great podcast the other day, just speaking about um, relationships. And that was kind of the the thing. It was talking about victims of such situations. And a lot of uh, what um, the the doctor was saying was based off of, you know, statistics around people not wanting to progress their life and get out of harmful, hurtful relationships or physical um, relationships because of what they were thinking in their head. And it's like, man, if you could just see what life could be like in six months, a year or three years, it seems like nothing. But and as we're talking, how long ago was COVID? You know, it seemed like it was yesterday, but really we're looking at what, th- almost three years ago, going on four, roughly. Um, and the last point I want to make is give yourself grace. I think that is another home run just from the sole purpose of they all relate to each other in their own way. But grace is one that I had to apply to myself a lot. Um, took a while for me to stop drinking because I would just, I'd get stressed. I'd go to the bar. Um, I'd have a, a bad relationship with somebody or I'd be quick to anger. Or let alone, you know, just the fact business wasn't working out the way it was. My life wasn't working out. And I had to take a big step and be like, I have to forgive myself for the problems I'm bringing in. What's causing my problems? You know, and realizing that, hey, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. And giving myself the grace and the forgiveness to allow myself to push past and, you know, basically keep moving forward. Trying not to repeat those, those mistakes again. And so those are kind of the big three takeaways for your audience. And hopefully I didn't ramble too much about those, but those are three big core beliefs I really believe in. No, those are amazing. Amazing. Uh, You remind me of a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really rambling. So what's your outlook first for your business, for Mm -hmm. other businesses out there and the world outlaw? 
at large. Yeah. Um, so from the, are you referring to kind of what's the outlook on what businesses are like, what, what are they, what should they be looking out for? Or what's kind of in stock? Do you think maybe both? <laughs> well, what's your vision? Um, yeah. cause I know a lot of businesses folded because mm-hmm. to your point, they did not believe that they can. They just folded. They didn't fight. They had. They they didn't have that gift of perseverance. Mm-hmm. So, what's your outlook? What's your vision for the world? What do you see? Even though we don't have it, I really believe that where our focus goes is what we create. Yep, that's um, that's that's where I'd start. Is it's hard to say what the focus should be. It's what you imagine will happen. As um, I can't believe I or. I, it's easy when you know you're not on the spot, but uh, I can't think of the author who's you know who says you know whether I can or I can either way. Basically, you know that that solution is going to be whatever I think it's going to be. Basically, you know, and so I, I do see the situation of of the problem of getting out of your head being a big issue. I I see two kind of situations for businesses. I think we're going to have a situation coming up where you are going to be so engulfed in politics or politics, uh, what's going on politically. You're going to be so involved in the election, what's going on overseas with the war situation, um, what's watch, what's going on, what's this is horrific with the Israel and Hamas situation, let alone what's going on in your own backyard in your local state. If you are so wrapped up in that as a business owner, I can tell you right now, why would your business ever grow? It won't because you it's not your priority. You're spending more time on, on that. And I think that's going to be a huge issue for us. You know, they, they say Rome or, you know, in the famous quote from the gladiator movie, you know, Rome, Rome's a mob. Well, the United States is a mob. The world's a mob and online is our arena. And if we spend all our time at the Coliseum watching and being involved in it, you know, we're going to have no time to attend the business and take care of those around us. So I think that's one issue that we're going to be running into. And, and I think businesses, and if you're in this boat, really pay attention to how much you're consuming versus how much you're putting out especially on effort as a business, because that could be a huge issue, especially pay attention to your mood and how you feel. Because I think that's a huge thing to that's overlooked as a business owner and and, and, as, and as a person, just how much you're taking in versus how much you know, you're really you know, putting out. And then the other half of it, I think is going to be, there are going to be huge opportunity. If you can double down in digital right now, you could have a huge home run, mainly for the sole purpose of you know this AI technology that's coming out. And I'm not telling you to go to the next AI conference and learn about everything. I'm saying like, you got kids that are in school that you could hire that are in college right now that are grasping and understanding this stuff. And you're a local, let's say chiropractor, lawn care company. You're just, you know, shoot anything really as a business, you know, hire one of these kids as interns and have them, you know, turn your business on AI from whether it's blog writing, whether it's doing social posts, making your business more alive online, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And that's where I think the thing is, is there's a huge opportunity in the world of online marketing, not saying you have to outsource to an agency, not saying you, you know, talk to us, but you just have an awesome opportunity that the world has never been more accessible and neither has your customers. So either you can double down on that and focus on that and you'll see your business really climb. You know, don't get me wrong. You might have to take, make some changes and spend some money on getting websites done. Or, you know, there's obviously some roadblocks that are going to happen no matter what. But most importantly, if if you don't realize that right now, like I said, is your home run time, clients have never been more accessible. You know, you can run an ad to me right now on my phone about your product or service. You've never been able to do that before. You know, you could have a huge winning opportunity or you could be so focused on what's going on around you that you're going to miss this opportunity. And by the time you realize it, it's going to be way too late and the market's just going to be too saturated. So I feel like there's an expert right in front of me and I need to <laughs> take advantage of it. 
So when you say double down, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, business owners, entrepreneurs listening to this, yep. when you say double down and use me as an example, okay. um, what does that look like? What are the one, two, three that we need to do? Yep. You mentioned AI, but you know maybe that's too far fetched for right now. Sure. You know, how do we take advantage of the online world? Well, one, make sure you have a website. That's <laughs> that's a given. Um, you gotta have a website. Um, that's that's your home run, not home run, but that's your that's stepping up to the batter's plate. Your home run will be what I'm telling you next. Take your website, and every business should do this, including yourself. Treat your website like it's a library. Okay, so. Your library is there and there's tons of libraries out there. We know that, but we base the, a good library is based off the books it has. How big is the library? How many aisles? How many books? What kind of topics? You know, is it Barnes Noble? Is there, or is it a town of 200 people? And, you know, is it like a, a little shelf just full of books? Or when you see those neighbors with just a little, like a little mailbox, it has, you know, borrow a book kind of thing. What I would recommend, and this is something I've spoke on stage about, I'd recommend to anybody listening, you have a race going on right now. It's in your niche, in your topic, it's called your niche or industry. You need to basically put out blogs like crazy, not because your readers are going to read it. Google, well, you're solving for Google. Google itself is the one ranking you. It's showing you up when people search. Google wants to give the best answers out there. That being said, you need to be out there answering questions around your topic and your niche. So what I would say is the first thing I would do is obviously make sure I have a website. And like I said, look at it like a library. You need to cover every topic in your niche, in your industry. I'd recommend going to YouTube and just learn about how to blog. I mean, you, and you can use ChatGBT if you wanted to, I, I, but I wouldn't get so hu- or hung up on the idea that I got to write these most perfect, most beautiful explaining blogs. You need to tell Google what you do, how you do it, and how you solve problems. And I would say write blogs between 500 to 1,000 words in ChatGBT which I recommend just learning. And if you don't know enough about it or you're kind of struggling with it, just, I would say, go to YouTube and just watch how do I use ChatGPT to write a blog? And I guarantee once you see it, you're gonna be like, after after your fifth or sixth blog, you'll be like, this is a no, this is easy, so easy. Why, why would I ever pay somebody thousands of dollars to do this? And right there in itself, I promise you, if you were to contact an SEO agency, and you should do this, contact an SEO agency, ask them, how expensive is it if I was to ask you to write me 10 blogs a month? I guarantee you they're gonna ask anywhere between 800 to maybe $2,000 a month. Or you go to ChatGPT, spend maybe an hour or two learning how to do it, and it's all free. So I would say build your library like a blog or, a, or like a library, <laughs> build your website like a library and you know, really double down on that. That is your home run. And also leverage yourself in these social media groups. What people don't realize is just like we went inside, you know, I mean, just from a social standpoint, we're always in groups, whether it's church, whether it's kickball or, you know, um, anything really just <laughs> everything in our lives seems to boil down to some type of group or connection, Facebook. Instagram, Reddit, all this stuff. I mean, Quora even. Find find your group of people, your customers, and serve them in those groups. That is something that is so overlooked that it's it's insane to me. I mean, I was listening to this podcast the other day about this guy who created a, I want to say it's almost eight figure. So shoot, he's in the tens of millions uh, business by niching down so specific in his market. So he's a is an ex-military, um, basically does coaching. But what he did was he found a group of guys that are dads who are ex-military who like drinking beer and shooting things and that there's a group of entrepreneurs just like that on facebook and that was his that i mean that's that's his tribe 
And he got in there, started giving some benefits, some, some, you know, some feedback on things. And next thing you know, some of these guys are like, Hey, uh, I would like to refer you business. So that's the second part. That is really your home run too, is, you know, doubling down on these Facebook groups that are not just, Oh yeah, they kind of that. Yeah. I'm a chiropractor. Yeah. This is my group. This is like a chiropractor who also works with, you know, the uh, after school moms situation that have three kids and they all play soccer. You know I mean? You got to get specific because that's where you're going to find your diamonds. And then on top of that, doing those blogs, you know, in your race that I mentioned earlier, it's like, how fast can I get to 500 blogs? And that's really a strong library. And Google is going to start giving you traffic because you're answering questions and you're showing Google that you are a true authority in an online space. Awesome. Well, you'll be pleased to know that my website was just, oh, it's beautiful right now. You guys yeah. go to tessregera.com. I'm so in love with it because it just got spruced up and uh, really now aligned to my message of soul power. Mm-hmm. But I love, or I have a question. You said blogs, five mm-hmm. to 500. Uh, oh, do people read anymore? I thought that we are <laughs> into the video. We are. But I didn't want, most people aren't going to look at, listen to this video or even maybe watch this and be like, I'm not doing video, <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, the, yes, yes. <laughs> but the truth is if you can do video, yes, absolutely. But most people won't, but you got to think of it too, is what is Google? Google's a bot. So the bot can't listen to the video and say, that can transcribe the video, but the, it can't look at it like, oh my gosh, I like them from an aesthetic standpoint. I like them from their background to how they talk, their tone, tonality, their voice. You know, it just like Google can't tell if a pumpkin pie recipe is better than the other one, you know, because it can't taste. So what we're doing is we're not writing these blogs for our readers. Technically, we're writing these blogs to solve Google's issue of needing information, you know, so that's really what you have to look at these blogs are or as it's not is John Doe and I don't know, you know, Sarah going to dive into this blog and be like, wow, this is the this is the answer for my question. I'm going to contact you. Probably not. What we're really looking at is Google sees that, wow, this website has a lot of blogs that cover this topic and very much in depth. And they cover a lot of questions that my readers or the people looking up this type of information have. I'm going to now bump them up from no ranking, maybe fifth page ranking to give them spot five or spot six on Google. And just remember, if you are on the second or further back page of Google, you do not exist. 99.3% of people do not go past the second page of Google or past the first page of Google. So there's a joke in the SEO world, you know, search engine optimization world. Uh, the best place to hide a dead body is the second page of Google because no one goes there. <laughs> so, and and a good test is like, look up, look yourself up in a couple of words, not necessarily your business name because it's branded. You'll probably rank for that. Or you've probably already looked yourself up enough online that you probably already show up for it. But take a step back and look up some of your services that you offer or your brand or whatever products and just see if you rank. And if you don't, that's where you start. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that expert advice. Of course. <laughs> so amazing. Because, well, you know, we need more soul-powered leaders to really stand out and really speak up and have a voice out there. Otherwise, it's all the programming and the narratives and uh, mm. that we hear out there. That's the purpose of this podcast. Joey, thank you so much for your time today. Where thank can you for people having find me. you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Exciting. Yeah. And I also appreciate this too. I really enjoyed the, the chat and the talk. Yeah. So you can find me. Um, actually, it's that marketing guy um, actually on YouTube and also Instagram. There's a couple underscores there that uh, you can find me on there. But also you can check me out at uh, gomediashark.com. 
And so, you know, if you ever have questions, feel free to shoot me a message. The one thing I love with all my heart is just the fact of helping somebody. So I don't care if you contact us. Now, if you want to work with us, that's a different thing. But, you know, if you got questions, you're like, hey, I'm in my business. What do I do? You know, I might not be able to answer you right away, but I'll definitely send you a link to something in that I would be reading that might help you out. Or I could at least point you to somebody who I could, you know, uh, let's say I vouch for that can maybe help answer your questions if, if I can't. So like I said, I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing from anybody who's listened to this podcast, but definitely appreciate being on it. Well, like you said earlier, ask and you shall receive. And I received. Okay. So I will hold myself accountable to. Let's do it. Did you say 800 or 500? 500. Hey, if you want to knock out the park, you go. And then 500 (laughs) blogs. Yep. Yep. Okay. You could make make that. I don't know how long it'll take me, but I will take the first step towards that. I haven't been an active blogger since my message uh, just just catapulted to this, especially in 2020. And now I'm finding that that space again, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that niche that. And here it is, you guys. If you want to look at my library in my website, this podcast you will find at Soul Power. To the People podcast is available at testforgaren.com or Soul Powered Leaders. Again, thank you, Joey, for thank your you, time Tess. today. It's been amazing. And I just want to summarize what he said. You can, in your head, you're dead. Give yourself grace. And if you're just tuning in at the end of the show, make sure to rewind and see, hear for yourself exactly what he meant by those three great advices. So we're wrapping up today's show on perseverance. Perseverance isn't just a word. Again, listen to this whole episode. It's so remarkable, the story that Joey shared us, not just about himself, but about his dad uh, being exonerated for a crime that he didn't commit and how it then put a seed of perseverance into Joey and how he was able to actually not just survive, but thrive in 2020 and beyond. So remember, you have your soul power already in you. You are made in the image and likeness of God. So we talked about faith today. It's so amazing to talk like this with someone. Thank you so much, Joey. And God bless you, everyone. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.